Hi, my name is Jim. I am a compulsive overeater and a lot of other things. And I'm very grateful to Overeaters Anonymous for taking over 100 pounds off my body and keeping it off over four decades. Uh, because I couldn't stick to a diet for a day by the time I got into OA. Now, my story is mostly that of a plain garden variety compulsive overeater. You know, I was a fat kid. I went through all the stuff you go through when you're a fat kid growing up in our society. But I only have 20 minutes, not 20 hours. So uh, I'll only, only give you the very briefest version of the, the tale of woe in four-part harmony. I went on my first diet when I was around 10 years old, and I lost about 30 pounds, which was about half of what I needed to lose at the time. And, well, guess what? I found it again real fast. Um, for uh, some reasons yet obscure, I went off my diet, and once I went off my diet, I couldn't get back on. I went into relapse, and I gained it all back, plus more. And you know, that was the story of my life. I'd get sick and tired of being fat, go on a diet, get uh, you know all kinds of strokes for losing weight and for what great willpower I had. I would hit that strange mental blank spot that it talks about in the big book, and I'd go into relapse, and I'd gain it all back. Oh, I tried a bunch of different things. Tried diets, exercise schemes, uh, geographic cures. None of them fixed me. Now, indeed, with every geographic cure I took, you know, I found there I was. <laughs> I took my eating disorder with me everywhere I went. And finally, in uh, 1981, I found myself uh, living alone in San Francisco, my latest geographic cure having failed miserably. And I would, you know, get up in the morning, go off to work, and at 4.59, I would bail out of work, go to the drugstore across the street from where I worked, and it was aptly named a drugstore because everybody in line at 5 o'clock was getting their fix, whether it was alcohol, you know, cigarettes, or junk food. And I'd get bags and bags of stuff, um, take, it, take it home, and then go to the place where I lived alone. I'd make sure that I drew the blind shut lest you know, the neighbors I didn't know across the way would get out binoculars, look through the window, and see that Jim was eating junk food again. You know, as if they couldn't tell by looking at my 46-inch waist. Really? Yeah. But you know, I thought my beard you know, hit it really well. Yeah. Except for those times when I'd you know, sort of see my reflection in a window and go, who's that really fat guy? And then it would dawn on me that it was like, oh, that was me. Hmm. And... Uh, I was having nights where the chest pains would hit, and I didn't know if I was going to wake up the next day. And so what did I do? I made out my will. That's where this disease brought me at the age of 22. But fortunately, I had heard long, long ago um, in you know, the advice columns, you, know, you may remember Dear Abby and Ann Landers. You know, and so I knew there was this thing called Overeaters Anonymous. Now, I had no idea what, how they worked or what they were about. And, but, you know, you know, I knew, you know, I was an addict, you know. You know, years before I came into OA, I wrote in my diary, I am just like an alcoholic with chocolate. You know, and fortunately, 
you know, when I, I stumbled into OA, I, you know, I looked up OA in the phone book. You know, this was in the days before the Internet. You know, and you had to find out where a meeting was, so I called up the number, um, found out where a meeting was, wrote it down on a slip of paper, lost the slip of paper. Did that a couple of times before I, I got up the nerve to actually get into an OA meeting. And, you know, I was really lucky because there was a newcomers meeting and you know, they, they described you know, basically how the program works. You know, this is what a sponsor is. This is what the tools are. You know, this is what you can expect. And because I had no idea really what to expect at all. And, you know, you know, they started off the meeting with a prayer and I thought, oh boy, uh, what kind of an outfit is this? And, and then they read these things called steps. Step one, yeah, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. You know, at that, I just laughed because, you know, I had a 46-inch waist. You know, tell me, what it, you know, tell me about being powerless over food, right? And, you know, the other steps didn't make a whole lot of sense. And then there was this, uh, oh, there was the God stuff. I wasn't into that, so I ignored it. And then there was the carrying the message. At this point, my cult detector went on full blast. That because uh, I'd had a friend in high school who joined a cult, and you know I ran into him at an airport once where he was dressed in orange robes and handing out pamphlets. And I thought, uh oh, you know, if they start you know bringing out the incense and the orange robes, I'm out of here. The, uh, and then the speaker got up to share, and this you know, very normal-looking person, and I thought, okay, now, if she talks about losing five pounds through jazzercise, you know, I was going to make a scene and just leave. But instead, she told a tale of pounds gained and lost of substances abused that made my overeating look really wimpy. Now, I don't like to tell foodologues because they make me hungry. Yeah, we all know how to overeat here. So let me just say that in order to have 110 extra pounds on my five foot two frame, I am an industrial strength overeater. That, uh, and here was somebody else who had eaten the way I had eaten and who had gotten better. Now, that blew me away. Because, you know, I'd done all the research. I'd done all the reading. And, you know, I'm, I'm not as dumb as I look. That, you know, there are, uh, and the studies basically said fat children become fat adults. In fact, people don't lose the weight. You know, I knew I was hopeless. But when I came and I saw people who were like me, who had eaten the way I had eaten, and they had gotten better, that gave me hope. That's really what step two is all about, to realize, like, wow. There is a solution. It's not an easy one, but you know there's a way out from our addiction. And you know, and they said get a sponsor. So I got myself a sponsor who told me to go to 90 Overeaters Anonymous meetings in 90 days. And so I started going to a meeting almost every day. And didn't quite make 90 in 90. You know, I don't claim perfection by any means. You know, I've yet to meet a perfect person in this program. You know, but started going to meetings, started calling in my food, 
and it was real touch and go at first. I started off with a basic four food plan, and you know I was in diet mode, okay, just another diet, and you know I knew I was going to get the same result as any other diet, you know quick weight loss followed by quick relapse. But one day at a meeting, uh, the speaker got up to Sharon. You know, she was a 100-pounder. And she talked about the fact that, yeah, she was a food addict. And not only did she not touch sugar with a five-foot pole, she also didn't eat any grains or starches. And I thought she was insane because my mother was a home ec teacher. You know, I grew up learning all about the basic four food groups. You had to have them every day. Of course, in my opinion, it was sugar, salt, grease, and starch. But here was somebody who was not eating you know, an entire level of the pyramid scheme of food nutrition and had gotten better, who had what I wanted, who had that sanity around food. And so I, out of desperation, tried that ultra-low-carb food plan, and lo and behold, my cravings went way down. Huh. Wonder why that is. The, uh, you know, is it because of the way my body reacts to the carbohydrates, or was it because you know when you're not doing you know sugar or flour that gets most of the ultra processed foods out of your system? It doesn't matter why. You know, my philosophy of OA is to do what I see working for other overeaters like myself. That's why I love 100-pounders meetings, because you know, this is where the people are who have been where I have been around the food, the people who have eaten the way I have eaten, the people who have the same kind of stretch marks that I've had, that loose skin, you know, the whole bit, you know, the broken chairs, everything, you know, the broken toilet seats, you know, couldn't wipe myself. You know, hey, this is where I belong. And, the, uh, and so I do what I see working for other people like me, and I figure it'll work for me if I do that. You know, I don't have to understand it. I don't have to like it. I just have to do it. You know, I don't really understand you know, the quantum physics going on inside my telephone. And I've got a degree in electrical engineering. So, but I know that as long as I plug in my phone and pay my phone bill, it works. And if it doesn't, I know where to go for tech support. And... Again, that's why I love 100-pounders meetings, because this is where I'm around other people, you know, with, you know, my type of eating disorder. That, uh, so, anyhow, uh, it took me about a year to lose the weight, and I'd never been thin before in my life. But fortunately, by going to a lot of meetings, you know, working the steps, and being around other people, they warned me what to expect, you know. You know, I always thought that when I lost the weight, I'd you know, basically you know, be six feet tall, have a body that looked like an Olympic swimmer with seven gold medals. You know, I thought that you know, the day I hit gold weight, that you know, a chorus of angels would sing Alleluia, that you know, the Dallas cheerleaders would drive up and you know, leave big sacks of gold coins on my doorstep. None of that happened. You know, the day that I hit gold weight, you know, I still had to work for a living. Um, the security guard at work at you know, 8 in the morning was just as – they were just as surly and bored-looking as they always were. My girlfriend at the time wasn't even talking to me. I mean, and I discovered that, yeah, you know, little people, thin people, 
have all kinds of problems too. All my problems did not go away. And and then there was the issue of what to eat. Huh. Well, I'm still calling in my food every day to my sponsor, and I'm still doing that 42 years later because it works for me. That um, Why it works, I don't know. But it's useful for me to have that level of accountability where I'm talking to another you know, industrial strength psychopath like myself you know, about how I'm recovering you know, from my eating disorder. And you know, so what I do on a daily basis is you know, I get up in the morning and I get up on my knees and I ask God for help, take a few moments of quiet time where I try to meditate before the squirrels start uh, chattering in my brain. I have a sponsor that I call just about every day, and I sponsor several people that I expect to hear from on a daily basis. You know, I've got a short attention span, so my style of sponsorship is lots of you know, very short calls. Other sponsors have different styles. That's fine. You know, one of the great things about OA is the flexibility of the program. You know, there's no one-size-fits-all OA program. Thank God. The... Um, I ate three meals a day, nothing in between, none of my old binge foods. And you know, that limits the amount of damage I can do in any one day. I weigh and measure most of my food. Uh, that makes sure that I get just the right amount of food. Not too much food, not too little food. Because abstinence is not about you know, deprivation. It's not the death camp deprivation diet. It's about pampering ourselves by making sure that we get just the right amount of food. Not too much, not too little. You know, that's the key. It's really the ultimate in pampering ourselves by making sure we're taking care of ourselves. Five minutes remaining. Why, thank you. And <clears throat> at night I do a mental tenth step where I ask myself, you know, where am I physically? Where am I emotionally? Where am I spiritually? Where am I physically? You know, is my food clean? Or am I playing some kind of games? As an addict, I'm always trying to sort of push the envelope whenever I can. Am I getting enough rest, exercise, medical attention, all that good stuff? Where am I emotionally? You know, was I angry, upset? Is there something I need to make amends for? You know, what am I even feeling? Oftentimes, I'm just rushing through my day so quickly that I, I'm not even stopping to feel anything. And finally, where am I spiritually? You know, which is how am I working my program? That, um, you know, how many phone calls have I made? You know, how many meetings have I been to in the last week? You know, what kind of service job am I doing? But, um, you'll notice four out of the nine tools of the program talk about working with others. That's why we go to meetings, why we do service, why we sponsor people, why we make phone calls. All means of interacting with other industrial strength sickos like ourselves. Why it works? I don't know. It doesn't matter. It just does. And the, um, indeed, that working with others is really the key to this program. If I were to put OA into a bumper sticker, it would say, the best way to stay out of the refrigerator is to help somebody else stay out of the refrigerator. You know, if you look at the history of AA, that's what the founders of AA discovered. And they discovered that by themselves they couldn't stay sober, but when they put their faith into action through helping other drunks, it kept them out of the booze. And that's, that's the way this program works. This is not the kind of thing that I can do alone, by myself, in my own kitchen. It requires me to work with other people just as messed up as me 
around the food. And why it works, who knows? But the spirituality of OA is not going up into you know, a mountaintop and chanting until the fork levitates up into the sky. No. As it says a couple times in the AA Big Book, faith without works is dead. You know, it's the spirituality of this program is getting outside of myself, of admitting that I'm not the center of the universe, even though I think I am, and, you know, working and reaching out and communicating with other people like me. And again, you know, that's why the you know, 100-pounders meetings are so important to me. That, um, now, whew, I feel like I could go on and on in uh, infinite excruciating detail, but I also feel like I've said enough. So, anyways, uh, well, with that, I will uh, pause and turn it back over to our leader.